You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. If you've ever found yourself striking a friendly conversation with your barista or trying to hit it off with moms at preschool pickup, yearning for connection and thinking, man, am I doing this right? Today's episode is for you. National bestselling authors and creators of the hit online community, Sister I Am With You, Amy Weatherly and Jess Johnston, are the best friends we all wish we had, and they're on Thrive to drop their best tips and laughs for developing deeper friendships as a grown-up. We talk how to really find your tribe and outgrow your inner middle schooler, how to be a good friend, how to get over awkwardness in the beginning, and get through sadness in the end if a friendship breakup happens. Amy and Jess keep it so real and so fun, and you will leave this episode ready to call up your besties for hugs and happy hour. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome Amy and Jess. Amy and Jess, big, fat, warm welcome to Thrive. If you are accepting uh, applications for a third Amiga to make it a trio, you can consider this my, my cover letter. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for you both. I'm here for the work you're doing to bring women together, to create like real conversations about real sisterhood and good friendship and the highs and lows of all of it. So I will uh, bring margaritas and I will bring cheese. And I think we're meant to be. You're in. You're in. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) We'll kick us off by telling everyone about yourselves individually, but also how you met because- me just being biased and having a similar background of how I met my, some of my best friends. I just, I love this connection between the two of you. Um, well, we were both writers on the internet and my name's Amy, by the way, I'm Amy. I've got three kids and a husband and two dogs. And that's, that's it. There's not, I'm so, I feel like I'm so boring. I'm like, that's a lot though. That's like already a farm of of happening. I know. I know. And I'm trying to convince my husband that we need a cat. And I don't even like cats, but I feel like I know I can't ask for another dog at this point. And so I'm like, what about a cat? And he's like, no, what are you going to do with a cat? And I'm like, I make sure we don't have mice and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Do I just have mice now. <laughs> well, we found one in the backyard and I'm like, one is enough. Yes. One is enough. If they're not like, if it's not a mouse that is cleaning my house, like Cinderella, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it but Jess and I I we were both writing on the internet and um we're kind of in the same little writing community and I was just a fan of Jess I like the way that she approached her blog and I like the way she wrote and she's just you could just tell from her writing that she was just laid back and down to earth and real and that is something that I really admire because I kind of lay it all out and just, you know, that's why I always say, I'm like, if I'm going to write and I'm going to do this, I'm going to be exactly who I am. And that's the only way I know how to do it. So, um, yeah. So I just sent her a message on Instagram and I was like, Hey girl, <laughs> I think you're, <laughs> I think you're great. I like what you do. 
Would you, would you like, I like to your work words. together? I like your words. I think you're good with them. You have a good cool brain. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was pretty much it. And she responded. And so we went from Instagram messaging and then we went to like second base, friendship second base, which is like talking on the phone. And then um, we started Sister I'm With You before we had ever actually met in person. And it just kind of grew and exploded that we met in person and we liked each other in real life. Thank goodness. That's a plus. <laughs> That's a plus. Yeah. That, that could have been, that could have been bad. Awkward. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't stand you. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty much it. Here we are. Here yeah. we are. Yeah, Here we are. Give us, give us the loadout on you and then also okay. tell us tell us what sister I'm with you is because I know it and love it and I'm a part of it. But for anyone listening who has not yet hopped on the bandwagon and needs to do so, tell us what that is too. Well, I am Jess and I live in Southern California with my four kids and my husband. And I was gonna say two dogs. I don't have two dogs. I have one dog <laughs> and one cat. Um, most of my life is making snacks and cleaning up. Like there's, when you like get a granola bar and you rip off the corner of it, I spend most of my life picking up those little corners of granola bar wrapper for my kids that are like sprinkled around my whole house Yeah, and going like, whose is this? Who, whose is this? Um, those and the Welsh's fruit snacks. Dude. Mine? Okay, yesterday I picked up like five bottles of water and they're like the expensive bottles, like the Propel, like the uh, the flavored water. And they have yeah. like two sips out of it. And it's like that, uh, is it Geico commercials? That's like turning into your parents. I like walked <laughs> yes. around the house and I was like, who did this? This is like $1 a piece. Every time you do this, this is $1. Yeah, I was so- <laughs> that and. That and like, yeah, bottle caps and also socks. I'm pretty sure like my kids just like come into the living room and just like toss them in the air and just see what happens. Yes. Anyway, oh. so that's what I do. <laughs> um, Sister, I am with you is just basically when Amy and I met, we ended up, we had talked for hours on the phone. We ended up talking a lot about friendship because both of us are super relational. Friendship is a really big deal to us. So we ended up digging into that fairly quickly just seasons of loneliness things we were struggling with right now and as we talked I think we just realized that there wasn't any place on the internet that was really talking about friendship in a real and authentic way and not just saying find your people but not giving any tools on how to do that or find your tribe um and it was Amy actually just called me one day we had we'd started to get pretty close and she called me one day and she's like Jess I am supposed to be leaving for a trip in like five minutes I'm packing and I just realized what we need to do we need to start a page we need to call it sister I'm with you and we need to talk about everything friendship are you in and I was like I'm all in and we kind of knew we knew that like because I mean I think from being writers and realizing when you put yourself out there on the internet often in a real and authentic way when you say the thing that no one is saying people are often like oh my gosh I thought I was the only one I'm so relieved that I'm not the only one so 
because we've dealt with loneliness, because we've dealt with hard things in friendship, there was kind of this knowing, okay, other people are dealing with this too. But it was, we were still taken quite aback by the just response and kind of the explosion of yes, me too, um, with loneliness and with friendship in particular. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like what you said earlier with how you met, where you're just kind of like, Hey, this is, I like, I like you. Do you like me too? Like so much (laughs) feels like that's how it can, that's how it is. But I think a lot of times that is kind of a really good way to find your people though, too, because if that's how you are and you just show up like that, if someone digs it and is the same way and thinks you're cool, they'll respond well. And if they don't, then A, they're not your people and B, you'll learn that pretty quickly. So yes, totally. Yes. Well, I love so much about you guys too, that you really just show up unapologetically in a room. And even in starting sister, I'm with you. Like you just were like, you know what, we're going to do it. And obviously it was received super well, but like, there's always that chance it might not be and that you're going to get oh, criticism totally. or have some a-holes in the, in the room. So were you always like that? Or did you kind of have to have some hurdles to overcome in putting yourself out there like that, especially knowing how relational you both are? Well, what terrified me, and it still terrifies me, honestly, it's something that I just have really had to work to get over is, so I don't, it's not as hard for me to worry about whether I'm going to be received well online. I mean, I care, but like, not as much. My fear was that I was going to have this page and it was going to grow. It was going to, it was going to do well online, but in real life, everybody's going to be like, yeah, we're not talking to you, weirdo. Like we want nothing to do with you, (laughs) you know? And that was, that was my fear. Um, always has been even like in writing the book, like, I can't tell you how many times I would call Jess and be like, are people going to think this story is about them? Like, are how can I, like, how can I make sure nobody knows this is about them? Not knows this is about them. Cause it, I try to keep my story super vague and I change every, not everything, but I change facts about them. Cause I am, I am never gonna, I'm not going to Taylor Swift somebody, you know, like I'm not here to write about them in any way. And it's real about life. you if Courtney from the sixth grade, like right? <laughs> this flash, this one. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that was always my biggest fear is that even like, even if it was received well online in real life, are people still going to want to be my friend? Are people still going to like me? Or are they going to be talking about me behind my back and um, thinking I'm crazy for putting this all out there? Yeah. I don't know. They may. I don't know if they're talking about it. (laughs) I mean, if they're talking about it behind my back, I don't know. (laughs) I just... (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, did either of you also grow up struggling with making friends or keeping friends or being bullied or any of that, like no good, no fun medical middle school stuff that inevitably traumatizes all of us and shapes how we view people and relationships and all that. So did you kind of bring that with you or like how much therapy did you have to pay for to get over it? Like myself. Uh, yeah, middle school and high school were really hard for me. And I think it's funny because now I'll talk to people from high school. They're like, you were popular. And I was like, no, people knew who I was, but I had no friends. I had no friends. Breach. Like none. I was such a goody goody. And now looking back, so there's this story. Like I remember one of the first big slumber parties I ever got invited to was probably sophomore year. Cause like I said, I, I mean, I had friends, I knew people, but I didn't have like a group. I didn't have people. Yeah. I did not have close friends. 
Um, and a lot of girls did not like me and I never understood why. Um, but this, this story, I go back and think about, I'm like, oh, I mean, that's probably why I was such a goody goody. So I got invited to the slumber party. There's a lot of girls there. They go rapping. And I like, can't even bring myself to throw a thing of toilet paper. Cause I'm like, no, this is somebody's house. So what if it, what if we mess it up? Or what if we like, it rains and then their, their parents are mad at the, I don't know. Like I ran through every scenario. So we wrapped these houses and I woke up at like five. I couldn't sleep. I woke up at 5. AM and I was like, y'all, I really think we should go clean. <laughs> I think we should go clean it up. <laughs> and <laughs> And obviously they were like, oh my gosh, go back to bed, Amy. And so I ended up like cleaning it by myself. And I was like, this is now looking back. I'm like, no, that's why you didn't have any friends. Good grief. <laughs> well, if it, if it makes you feel better in the goody goody department, you said rapping and I didn't even know what you meant at first. I know. So. I was like, like, it's like rapping. You were like, like you went and like verses? dropped a beat. <laughs> I didn't know either. I'm like, Amy, I feel like you were made for that moment. You didn't show up for that. You're I good. Do. At, you're good at verses. <laughs> I do love to rap. I do love, but no, sorry. Is that a Texas thing? That's totally a Texas thing. We what? call that toilet. We call that toilet papering, right? Yeah. Or like TPing. TPing someone's house. Yeah. TPing TP someone's, someone's house. house. Yeah. Well, we call it rapping with a, with a W. <laughs> I feel like I just got educated. That was, that was a really, like, that added extra intrigue to the story, though. <laughs> was like, You're like, like, instead of, like Christmas, Amy. <laughs> instead of Christmas caroling, were y'all just going to people's houses and, like, <laughs> doing some 50 cent verses or, like, what was happening I'm like, there? <laughs> I'm like, I, <laughs> I remember watching, um, what, what is Eminem's movie? Eight mile. Uh, eight mile with my friends in the basement with our hoods up rapping. I thought that's I thought that's where we were headed with this story. Yeah, it's really but cool. No. <laughs> no, sorry. Oh my gosh. Rapping equals toilet papering in Texas. Okay. Yeah. Now we know. This is all now very good to know for everyone. Yeah. So I'm, now we're so off topic. But yes, junior, <laughs> junior high and high school, like I have some stories. I mean, whoo. It was Rough. really hard. Yeah, it was really hard. And okay, well, here we could connect this to present day by if you were if you were to be, bestow advice on people who still feel the need to kind of shape shift, depending yeah. on you know they're doing a quick assessment before entering the chat and might be tempted to show up a little bit differently or do things that they think might get them accepted or liked, even as grown ups, because we still get those feels. I think when you walk into a room and you're like, all right. And if you're not yet at the point where you're like, here's who I am, welcome. Um, and still kind of having those, those feelings of like, okay, which version of me am I showing up for to get the best impression? What would you want to, what would you bestow upon our, our shapeshifters? I'm a huge people pleaser. I am a huge, yeah. that's, that's one of my biggest obstacles is just like being okay with who I am. Yeah. I would say one of the things is, and I, I talk about this in the book, there's a whole chapter on people pleasing because. Yeah, I love it. You know, I think there's something where if you want to be popular, then yes, by all means, be who everybody else wants you to be. If popularity is important to you, be everything to everyone, make sure who you are is, you know, matching the room. However, also know that popularity will not fill your soul. Popularity will not do it for you. 
It's not what you're craving. You're craving connection. You're craving intimacy. You're craving belonging. And if you want to belong, the only way to do that is to be yourself. The only way to do that is to show up authentically. So, um, you know, people pleasing and just trying to figure out like, okay, who do they want me to be? And then becoming that person, it's a great way to be popular. It's a great way to be popular. It's a horrible way to belong. If you want to belong, you are just going to have to show up as yourself. And I know I also just hit this point in life where I was like, I think it was probably 32, 33. And I just had this, this, you know, for other things were happening in my life, this giant moment of Amy, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing? Are you going to do this until you're 70 years old? You just going to tiptoe around life and worry about whether or not people like you. Are you going to actually live? And I kind of decided in that moment I was going to live and I was going to just be myself good and good and bad. Yeah. No, it's so true because if you, if you also are only on this level of surface level, this superficiality to be popular, it will become impossible for you to reach another level of that relationship because at some, if your cores don't align, you're not all of a sudden going to be besties because what are you going to do? Get to a deeper level of conversation and then, and then realize, oh wait, we actually are not, we don't have this in common or we don't share the same stuff. Like you're, you're never going to have that moment with these people. So you'll end up with a lot of acquaintances who maybe you can have like an easy chat with at a bar, but they ain't going to be your people who like right. you call in the middle no. of the night with problems. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, and yeah. even if, even if they think, you know, you, you're going to know, you're going to know that you're not showing up. You're going to know that they can't, you're not going to feel loved for who you are because you know, in your gut, you're not showing up as you are. Yeah, yeah, you're not even being known and it's for impossible. Who you are. Yeah, it's impossible to be loved and accepted fully if you don't show up. Yeah. Okay, so then if you are trying to find your people and find your tribe, as they say, uh, what is your advice for kind of developing this radar where you can kind of get a glance or kind of crack through the surface as quickly as possible for the people like us who are like the d- craving it deep and quick? That sounded really horrible, but like, <laughs> I just like took a, that took a different turn, but, uh, you know what I mean? Like making it where you, you kind of want to skip the bull crap as quickly as possible and figure out like, okay, wh- who are you? Do we vibe? Are you, are you in alignment here with who I am at my core and doing that without like wasting, wasting all this time, man, I feel like I just. I've learned with time to just kind of dip my toe in pretty quickly with people and just say something that (laughs) is probably going to make it or break it, honestly, (laughs) but just to be as real and authentic as possible. I'm not like telling them everything, single thing that's going on in my soul, right. In that first meeting, but it's just like showing up, like testing the water, showing up as yourself, being real. It could be as simple as like, yeah, actually I was super grumpy this morning and I am, my kids were crazy and I was trying to get out the door and I stubbed my toe and I swore really loud, you know, but like just showing up as you're like, what is actually going on? And then feeling out, is this a safe place? Is this a safe place for my real? Cause honestly, with the level of busyness as an adult and the level of chaos and the level of things on our plate, I, I personally, I just don't have time for anything else. 
And it's okay. It's okay if my reel is overwhelming and it's not a safe place for that. That's totally okay. But the kind of relationships I want to cultivate and invest into are the ones that are able to handle the real. Yeah. Because surface level conversations, I mean, I just, I just don't have time. I just don't have time for too much of that, you know? Yeah. No, I totally And I think, you. I think too, like for me, the deep insecurity was with real, I had a deep insecurity about being okay, being the one who pursued. Cause I felt like if people really wanted to be my friend, they would pursue me. And I did not know that I had the power to pursue other people. Cause that felt like such a vulnerable risk to me because then I'm putting myself out there to be rejected. So that has been the hugest switch in my mind is I have the power to pursue and it's actually a gift that I'm giving away. And it is really vulnerable to be like, Hey, I'm Jess. You want to get coffee sometime? Like it's super vulnerable, but it's also worth it. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And also completely have felt those feels in terms of, especially if you've like been bullied in the past or like have dealt with rejection a lot, it can I think it can literally be, uh, it can induce some PTSD if you're like, oh, I'm a grown up now and I'm going to put myself out there and like might have some grown up mean girls saying like, ew, girl. But like, I think yeah. you also learn so much in time where it helps you get over it and move through it and find, find other people faster and in a more resilient way and then find deeper connections with them because you're kind of like less tolerance and less impact from the BS and a much more willingness to actually just keep going forward and keep finding it. And like, it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something too, that when you realize, okay, so I'm responsible for my heart. I am responsible for what's going on in me and what comes out of me. That's, that's it. That's all I'm responsible. I hope I get through this life with a pure heart that genuinely loves well. And whenever you kind of realize that and you really get into that, you kind of realize if someone's going to talk bad about me, that's not the worst thing. You know, if someone, if I, if they reject me because they just don't like me, that's not the worst thing. If someone thinks I'm weird, that's not the worst thing. I'm not responsible for their reaction at all. I'm responsible for my actions. So I just, you kind of get to a place where you realize I can handle that. I can handle you thinking I'm um, putting myself too out there. I can Hmm. handle you thinking I'm too much. I can handle that as long as I've got a pure heart. I'm cool. Like I'm cool. As long as I really, really love people well. Um, I don't know. Then it just has really helped me to be like, let them feel and think however they're going to think. And you just keep peace in you. And that will inevitably attract the right people. Oh yeah. For our fellow yeah. people, pleasers listening in, I have two, th- two things instantly come to mind. One being the, the quote, you could be the juiciest peach in the world and there's still going to be someone who doesn't like peaches. Um, and the, Oh God, I literally just, it just went in my head and completely left it, but there was another one. That comes back to me <laughs> up there. But like that same gist of like, it's, you can be the best, the best thing in the world. And someone might still, Oh, it came back to me. Um, the, <laughs> the idea that you don't like everybody in the world either. 
And I think like, as a people pleaser, you can tend to forget that because you're like, please everybody. And sometimes you just need the reminder, like, dude, you don't even like everybody. So why would everybody like you? Like there's people that you could still love them and do, do well by them, but you're not calling them up to be their BFF. Like you still, you still aren't, aren't everybody else's number one fan either. And that's okay. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, adult friendships in general are kind of straight up weird. So drop us like once, once you've kind of figured out, okay, here's maybe what kind of people I want in my life or who I want to kind of attract to be my friend. And I'm ready and willing to intentionally pursue them. Give us some tips on like how you recommend actually making friends as an adult. Do you have like specific places you go to, or like a friendship pickup line or like ways to actually become friends with people and break past the, Hey, I'm Jazz or Hey, I'm Amy. Like, how's it going? And actually start a relationship, especially knowing so many of us are busy and crazy and chaotic and maybe also have kids and farms and dogs and mice and whatever else we have going on. (laughs) (laughs) I think Amy and I keep coming back over and over to the fact that there's no way to get around time. We have to invest time and a lot, I would even go so far as to say most friendships, it's a little awkward at first and there's uncomfortable first hangouts where you're like, do they like me? I don't know. Is that too much? Like you're feeling each other out, but there's no way around that than just sticking with it to see. So I think taking whatever time that you have available, no matter how chaotic, busy your life is. What time do you have available that you can invest consistently? Do you have time to invest a coffee meetup once a week? Do you have time to call somebody on your drive home from work? Do you have time for a Friday night dinner? Whatever it is that you can do and doing it consistently is what really builds depth to your friendships. I think that is honestly what helps people get through transitions in friendships Mm. as well, or transitions in life that inevitably impact your friendships. Um, Because just being able to, and willing to still show up and be like, listen, Mm -hmm. I know things are, I know things are crazy for, for you, for me, whatever. And I'm still here for you. Um, I think that that, and like showing up in some way to prove that can really go a long way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Since Jess wrote a chapter in the book on this, Can you give us a story of when you were a bad friend yourself and how you worked to fix it, to kind of remedy the friendship? My gosh, I'm sure I've been a bad friend in a thousand different ways, a thousand different times. I'm going to handle this one. I'll tell you about Jess's. No, I'm just kidding. Jess's. (laughs) Let me tell you. Let me tell you when Jess was a bad friend. Sometimes it's just hard because you have to build this safety with each other where your friends are actually willing to tell you when you screwed up, right? Mm. Like when they're actually willing to be like, hey, when you said that, that really hurt my feelings. The thing that comes to mind, which honestly, P.S., is a gift, really, because we can bury that stuff and never say anything. And it starts to grow this wedge between you and you don't really know why. So it's actually an honor when someone is like, Hey, did, what did you mean when you said that? Cause that actually really hurt my feelings. So one thing came to mind is I, I like, I like to keep things funny and light. So sometimes if I feel awkward or 
it gets a little too depressing. The conversation, I'll make a joke. And um, I forget what it was about specifically, but it was not time to make a joke. Apparently should not have been joking about that. And my friend was like, Hey, so you keep like joking about this thing. I'm not ready to joke about it. Like that's like still is a pretty hurtful thing for me. Like it's still an area of pain in my life. And I was just like, I am so sorry. I had no idea. I am so sorry that I did that, but it was so good because I needed to know or else I would have, I, I am oblivious enough. I would have kept on joking about it. (laughs) I would have never gotten, I would, there was no magic that was going to let me know that that wasn't a funny joke unless she told me, you know? Yeah. Well, also props to her though, because she gave you the grace to, and the benefit of the doubt to kind of like assume that you weren't actually trying to be a jerk. And she was yes. willing to not just be like, wow, this girl's a bit like, she's a, you know yes, what, like write exactly. her off and end the friendship. She was willing to be like, you know what? Like, Hey, I'm going to assume that you are not trying to be rude and this hurts. And then it gave you the opportunity to be like, whoa, baby, didn't mean that. So sorry. Like, won't yes. joke about it anymore. Yes. Yeah. Which Honestly, I think most of the time it is that way with your friendships, yeah. right? We all have all these triggers that we don't know about. We've all have these stories of pain, like you're talking about, where you're bullied or you're left out. So we all have these stories and it's so easy to trigger each other without even knowing it. So we have to be willing to be like, hey, so what did you mean by that? And that actually hurts my feelings when you say that Yeah. in order to keep growing together. Those unresolved issues, um, I think probably hurt more relationships than anything else. Like that is a wedge. And for whatever reason in friendship, we just feel like we've, I think we feel like if it's going to be a good friendship, that means it needs to be a perfect friendship and there needs to be no conflict. And we confuse conflict and drama. Drama is unnecessary and it is making a big deal out of nothing. Confrontation is just approaching something with honesty head on. And trying to remain humble in that and say, hey, I want to work that I love you so much that I want to work this out with you. I don't want any unresolved issues. I don't want any silent wedges that get in between us little by little until we're miles apart without even realizing it. So mm-hmm. I know in my life, because I'm someone who is terrified of confrontation, <laughs> but I've actually come to value it. My favorite people are the ones who could be straight up and honest with me and go, hey, this hurt my feelings and actually give me the chance to either apologize and change my behavior or just kind of explain like, Oh, okay. I see how you took it this way. This is actually how I meant it. I actually yeah. meant it some a completely different way. Um, yes. cause I think misunderstandings destroy more friendships and it's just a simple misunderstanding. We could clear it up in probably 30 minutes, but we're too afraid to do it. We're too afraid to take 30 minutes to fix the relationship. We'd rather just get rid of it and move on to the next one. And it causes a lot more hurt than is necessary. Yeah. We can build it. Sorry. No, go ahead, please. We can just build it so big in our head too. Yeah. Like if it really hit a pain point and we're obsessing about it and we can't stop, like I 
I, I do that sometimes where I can't, I just can't stop thinking about it and turning it over in my mind and looking at it from every different angle. And I'm like, no, they definitely meant it to be mean. They did. Yeah. They did. I'm sure of it. I thought about every angle. It can just become this huge elephant when really it's just this tiny splinter. We just need to nip in the bud and pull it out. And it's really vulnerable to be like, Hey, I am weak in this area. I am really, sen- it's vulnerable to be like, I'm sensitive. Cause we feel like yeah. we should be, I, I especially used to hit those kind of things and be like, this should not affect me. This should, this is really dumb that I'm so sensitive about this. I need to get over it, but that doesn't really do anything for, it doesn't help anyways. Yeah. And oftentimes it's just a little tiny splinter. That's so easy to just pull out. And I think too, we oftentimes will think that confrontation automatically means a fight and like automatically means yelling at each other and like really high tension. And sure, it might be an uncomfortable or tense conversation. That's not like your favorite conversation in the world, but it makes me think of my mom gave me this advice when I was dating before I met my husband. And she was like, if you're having a fight or you're having a disagreement with your partner, it's like, it's so important to think of yourselves not as Like if you're thinking people playing tennis, you're on opposite sides of a net going back and forth in a relationship. You got to get on the same side of the net as your partner and put the problem Mm. on the other side. And it's that's so good against the problem. And I think in friendship, it's like, it's the same way. Like if you are best friends or close friends, whatever your mutual goal is probably to continue to be friends. So if you can align on that and figure out, okay, what's the actual issue at the core here and how do we together fix that so that we together can grow and be better. It's like positive all around. Yes. Yes. It's like a, uh, you know, a lot of times, I, just like you said, I think we think of confrontation as like a tearing apart, but a lot of time confrontation is a coming together and yeah. y- it will help you. If you can have a hard relationship with some, I mean, a hard relationship, if you can have a hard conversation with someone and do it with grace and humility, I think that's so big. Don't attack the other person. Don't get defensive. Don't let your ego rear its ugly head, but just really be like, I want to understand you better. I want to understand this. And it can come together and you will feel safe around that person in a, mm-hmm. in like a whole new way that you didn't before. You will feel like closer to that person because you'll know, Hey, this is someone I can trust. Yeah. Someone I can trust with the hard stuff. And that is rare and beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So I think we'd also be kind of remiss to not mention friendship breakups. If it doesn't actually end well when you are having a hard conversation, uh, whether that ends up unfortunately being this like blatant, ugly thing, or I think whether it ends up just being this really indirect growing apart that could be sad and confusing and hard, um, but still feels like a breakup. So talk to us, have you experienced that? How have you gotten through it? And like, how do you determine if it's something that you want to try to push through and save or salvage in some way or whether it's okay, like it's time to move on and move in different directions in life? Gosh, this one's so hard. And I, I wish that there was some kind of easy answer, like easy blanket statement, but there's just really not. And there's always a risk in friendship that it's going to end in a breakup or that it, that there's going to be hard stuff you go through. Um, I like, I think that what I have learned is to keep 
my hands and my heart open as much as possible for how long this, like just open to maybe this person's in my life for a season. Maybe this person's in my life forever and both are a gift and appreciating them for what they are. I have also moved a ton. I moved a lot as a kid. So there's some, there's some breakups that aren't even breakups. They're just transitions apart. Or as an adult, as you move into new things, you move into when I moved into motherhood and my other friends were not moving into motherhood yet or things like that, you just kind of grow apart. But I try to be open to the fact that sometimes friends are in my life for a season. And sometimes when a friendship breaks up, it's out there. It's also making room for new friendships that will come into my life. I don't know if that makes sense, but all that said, it's hard. And it's important to give yourself space to grieve because it really is the end of something that mattered and was important and was really close to your heart. So it, it is painful. It is painful to move on from someone that has been a really important part of your life. Yeah, no, it's totally true. I also realized we've mentioned your book a couple of times and haven't actually told the people what it is, (laughs) (laughs) which is a royal shame. So, um, Talk to us, give us the lowdown on your book. I'll be there, but I'll be wearing sweatpants. Um, I'm wearing like a whole sweatpant jumpsuit today. In honor oh, of I, conversation. Am also, I am uh-huh. also, Amy and I have like matching sweatsuits at this point. And we also feel this was Amy came up with this title because she is the magician of all titles. And we realized it's the most genius title in the world because now we have set the bar very low for if we meet people in public like obviously they should be wearing a sweatsuit because their book has sweatpants in the title it was just Uh we had no idea how helpful this would be and every time we even go on to like a tv interview they're like are you wearing sweatpants i was about to say did you please tell me you were wearing sweatpants on good morning america because i wish we were i wish we were they totally expected it they were like oh no we put on pants for this but (laughs) um yes our book I'll be there but I'll be wearing sweatpants is just all about friendship and it's all about talking about it in a real and authentic way not just go find your friends you need friendship but this is how you find friendship and also if you're struggling with x y or z we see you we've been there this is our story. And yes, adult friendship is hard. It's awkward. It's confusing to maneuver and we're in it together. We hope this book just makes you feel really, really seen and known exactly where you are, wherever that is. And it also feels very empowering for making the next steps towards deeper connection and friendships. Yeah. I, I think it will do exactly that. I literally wrote down your five friendship revelations. It's right before chapter 12. If anyone listening already has their copy and is taking <laughs> notes here, but I want to share them here because I feel like it sums everything up so beautifully with like a nice little bow on top. Mm-hmm. You said, number one, they're not you. Number two, that you'll always find what you are looking for, for better mm-hmm. or worse. Like that's the truth. 
Three, awkwardness is normal when you're making new friends because it is. It uh, is. Expect it. Uh-huh. Like, it's okay. Uh, four, you are not the center of anyone else's universe. Mm-hmm. Also true. When you're sitting there thinking like, oh my gosh, is everyone, are they thinking about me? Are they talking behind my back? Are they what? like, they're probably not thinking about you at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're thinking about them. <laughs> they're right. wondering if you're talking behind their back. <laughs> <laughs> and five, a pure heart sleeps well, which mm-hmm. I just think is... I think it's just beautiful. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Well, um, we can get things wrapped up by asking, I want to hear, uh, this is something I ask all guests on thrive. So I'm stoked for your answer. What does thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Be that in friendship or just literally in day-to-day life, man. Um, I, strive to thrive. (laughs) And I think, I mean, this is going to sound very expected, but to stay connected, to stay connected in a deep way to my friendships and to show up authentically. I have, I'm very extroverted, but I have, I still have this knee jerk reaction when I'm going through something hard to hide and to kind of disappear and isolate myself because I feel confident when I'm, I feel confident in my happy outgoing self. I feel very not confident in my going through hard stuff self. So I have to push, I have to force myself to connect with my friends when I'm in a place like that. But gosh, that does make me thrive to be known even in the hard and dark places is like the greatest gift So I would say that is how I strive to thrive. Yeah, I love that. Well, Jess and Amy, thank you so much for being on Thrive. Uh, Tell the people where they can find you online to connect with you. um, And also, of course, to grab a copy of I'll Be There, but I'll be wearing sweatpants. Well, you can grab a copy of our book anywhere books are sold. um, Amazon, Target.com, any place like that. Um, you can find us on Facebook. We're together at Sister I Am With You, and that is just a community that's all about talking friendship. And you can also find uh, Amy on her own page on Facebook and Instagram, Amy Weatherly, and me, Jess Johnston, on Facebook and Instagram. And thank you so much for having us. This was so fun. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.